Welcome to Managing Marketing, and today I'm joined by John Holloway, who is the founder of Zupa Superannuation, but this is his latest adventure because John's actually got quite a significant history in fintech advertising and marketing, and so I thought be the ideal person to have a chat about what's wrong with advertising and how can we fix it. Welcome, John. Thank you very much. Glad to be here. Well, what is wrong with advertising? That's a, a massive question. Where do you even start with something that big? Um, I, certainly, having stepped out of, well, let's talk about my history for a little bit. I started in running my own businesses, uh, creating products and services, then went into, kind of fell into marketing and advertising, and advertising agencies, and um, I'm now back building products and services again. So I've kind of gone full service from full circle even, mm. full service here, got advertising in my soul. <laughs> it's been ingrained <laughs> you know, into you. selling it to you right now. <laughs> um, uh, having worked, uh, putting my own money on the line to create businesses, using other people's money and then being an agency and kind of doing all of those things, it's been kind of an interesting journey. I think the major problem with advertising right now is that we seem to have lost our marketing-ness. Mm. Marketing is a thing. Advertising is part of that. But, That's right. Um, my general view, and it comes from a lot of the stuff I write, is that advertising people are not particularly good marketers, and marketers aren't particularly good marketers. So when you get these two kind of forces together, what you create is this kind of symbiotic lack of reality, which yeah. is advertising. I just want to challenge you there, because I think a lot of marketers are not good business people as well. Well, I haven't started on business. As a, <laughs> my, uh, my, my view of um, uh, of of where we've come from is this years ago marketing and product used to sit next to each other it used to be yep. almost connected to each other pulling those two pieces apart pulling advertising and media apart has taken the marketing person and the agency is another step so far away from the product that that's what we see right now is that we're not getting great products we're not getting great marketing and we're not getting great advertising mm. so that whole construct of marketing people understanding business and then what we're asking or what the industry is asking advertising people to do which is to solve business problems is something that has just been fundamentally outside of the realms of the category for 30 years mm. um, that you find not that many marketers or advertising people who have a product understanding who have an understanding of how to build a business and how to take that to market they're stuck in this this realm or this sphere of advertising, which is we will create something which sits somewhere and someone will see its communications, mm. not necessarily taking a great product and taking it to market in the best well, way possible. Well, I, I think one of the great uh, smoke and mirrors or shell games that the industry has played on itself is when we separated, as you say, product from marketing to then say, well, this is still marketing, when in actual fact, what it became was the promotions department. You know, if you go to the four Ps, yeah. it was left as yeah. the promotions, and then their only obsession was with media and advertising as the tools of promotion seemed to be, but it was still called itself marketing. Yeah. And within organisations, you had, you know, like banks, for instance, because you've got a, a, a history and an ex uh, you have experience with uh, financial yeah. sector, you know, pricing is done over here. 
product dev development is basically what are our competitors doing and how can we mimic that and make it maybe slightly better in one way to give us distinction or differentiation. And all that's happening in a separate part of the business from the marketing, which is actually the promotions department. Well, I think banking is a really interesting, especially in Australia, a really interesting industry because the only differentiation between the big four banks, other than who else they own, is the brand. It's the bit that goes out to market, the underlying products are generally the same. Mm. Uh, the colour of their logos, they all manage to get you know, yeah, blue, red, red and black, uh, yellow and black. and They've done a great job oh. of differentiating the colour spectrum, <laughs> but haven't really, uh, and, and Australia is obviously a very forward-thinking financial industry in itself, but the differentiation between themselves is not particularly that big. Mm. Um, and, and that comes from, actually, probably the banking industry is not a bad marketing kind of um, uh, organization. They're not, they're not poorly put together and they have a lot of money to spend, which mm. helps uh, if I have to see another nab more than money <laughs> kind, of, uh, um, kind of add again is uh, it's, uh, it's intri intriguing. But that idea that all of the, especially in FinTech, the idea is to create a product that is fundamentally different, that will garner an audience and then you take it to market in whichever way is the most cost effective. That's what marketing is. It's mm. product to most effective way to market. There aren't many startups that are thinking, how do we spend money on media and advertising from day one? No. It's kind of, how do I get from me, John, to you, Darren, in the most cost-effective way and get you to do what I want you to do? That's what marketing is. I think what we've done is just confuse that by starting. And it, you can see it with most of the big clients, especially in Australia, they start at the other end, which is how do we talk to as many people as possible? How many eyeballs can we get through what we're trying to do? And I've seen briefs across four different agencies in this, in this country from multiple industries, and they're all the same. They but all isn't that because they only the only levers they've got left to pull are the ones that are based around promotion? Yeah. which is either media, how many people, because they're not differentiating or di making themselves distinctive in the product development in the first place. I mean, if I get one more email or letter trying to sell me another credit card, <laughs> how many credit cards does a person need? Yes. And I mean, the thing I've always hated about, and, and let's, let's focus on financial services because I think it's such a dominant you know, with, with consumer goods marketing sort of, in, especially in this country, becoming less and less, yep. uh, financial services has become such a dominant presence in the marketplace. And the thing that gets me is that they, use, they all use the same techniques. You know, to get me to take a credit card with them, or I can bundle my existing credit card, take the balance across to them and get it interest-free. Yep. What do they think that says to all of the customers that have got that credit card already? Because I'm not getting my balance interest-free. Well, who does it bring into the credit card is kind of the interesting thing. What it brings well, in is people who are looking for a deal. Yeah. And you give 18 months as ANZ, then the next time Westpac have an 18 months, what do they do? They switch almost immediately. It is not... What we're not doing is thinking about their behavioural economics of what we're doing from a marketing point of view. Credit cards is a fascinating, uh, a fascinating industry, one that I'm, I'm playing with right now on, on another, another product that I'm creating. And but, uh, any of them, sorry, John, but yeah, home loans. Yeah, that is not yeah, a, it's not. It's a, all the same thing. It's oh, uh, interest rate, and can I you know 
draw down on my home loan or yeah. you know, I mean it's all very basic product development there's nothing new there's nothing innovative yeah. there's nothing that's really consumer focused or customer focused yeah. it's all just the same things over and over again which is where you would want marketing to work really hard to give you some sort of distinction in they'd the marketplace have to, they'd have to change and start by understanding the customer mm. and fundamentally marketers and advertising agencies are not built to understand the customer. They're quite good at doing surveys, they're quite good at doing focus groups, all of which tell you nothing other than what you want it to tell you. Um, Sorry to all the market research companies out there, but actually truly understanding human nature and understanding the behaviour of people and what they want is something that brands aren't particularly good at because you don't want to know the answers. Because financial services is a dichotomy of humans who don't want to pay for this because they think it should be free and huge banks making huge amounts of money from for their shareholders for their shareholders and for hiding fees for charging for things they shouldn't charge for for, for, for historically 40 years of poorly put together businesses mm. and a- any of the big banks you walk into they are so siloed if you think about credit cards and home loans and all these kind of things that should inherently work together they don't, and they, they can't. They are absolutely siloed. Almost every major financial institution that you could name does not have a customer-centric approach to market. They and have a one. product-centric af- approach to market. And yet, you say you know, about knowing the customer, if you want to know a customer, they say, look at their behaviour. Well, who is holding all of my transactional information yep. for as long as I've been a customer with that particular brand holding it for ransom as well <laughs> it's kind of not opening it up but um that idea of building a financial organization is such a hard thing because if you think about how big someone like combank or westpac truly is they would have customer databases across multiple platforms that have been built over 30 years from ibm to oracle to all of the big players oh. in the market uh, with all of these huge data streams that just don't talk to each other. Yeah, and then legacy systems. Legacy <laughs> systems. If you started a bank today, which you, we've seen quite a lot in the UK with the neobanks and um, a few in America, not quite as many, but those, they kind of build them on lightweight platforms that um, all stick together in one place that have a complete customer-centric view. So the customer sits in the middle with all of the kind of products and services and interactions working from them. To take someone like a ComBank and turn it into that, which they are, essentially trying to do is a huge, huge undertaking. And the customers pay for it. They pay for it all the way through. Mm. But you look at it from an outsider's point of view, you go banking, you look at the profits that are being made by these major banks and the shareholder returns. It's a fascinating market, which is why fintech has been such a, a big boom and why fintech in Australia has been such a big boom because everybody believes they can solve the problem. They don't understand the regulatory issues, the, mm. the competitive nature, the ability for any of the big banks, any of the, the, the big six, if you include kind of AMP, to outspend you and outdo you in whichever way you want to do it. Um, not clever marketing, not clever product, just power. Mm. And the uh, kind of four pillars agreement and everything that protects financial services in Australia um, uh, just needs to be un- unwound. There's a lot of people on the edge of the industry that are just waiting for the Royal Commission to pull this whole thing together, pull it apart. Because if you take main route to market for things like home loan is is brokers, financial advisors. 
don't have the best reputation in the world um, and not servicing a whole generation of people who just don't want to go and speak to some old guy who sits in a room and gives them advice based on whatever that guy thinks is, is right for them. So there's a, there's a, there's a ripeness happening. Now, the fintech thing hasn't even really kicked off yet. It's kind of, there's a lot of money going into it. Um, there's a lot of people playing in it. Um, well, especially globally, isn't it? I mean, you know, fintech in the US, for instance, is a huge category. Yep. Um, and a high level of investment because, you know, they have a very highly competitive market there. Yep. I mean, it's interesting, the Australian market, because it was actually Paul Keating that deregulated the banking sector back in the 80s. Yep. And then it was Kevin Rudd in uh, 2008 that in many ways brought back protection <laughs> after the global financial crisis, global recession, yep. that really protected the big four again and went back to the to, to giving them the sort of mainstay of protecting the economy. Absolutely. And you mentioned, so I, one of the things, I've been in Australia now for five years, the first thing I noticed when the first couple of months is how retail-driven Australia is. Every single category is retail. When I say retail, it's all, it doesn't mean that if you're if FMCG or not, you are trying to sell things in every single thing you do. All the communications is sell, 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 sell. And there's only one route for that, and that's a route to the bottom. Everyone goes for the lowest common denominator, and you get what you get. You get kind of, we are 4.89, we are 4.79, we are giving you 20% off your insurance, we are giving you 22% off your insurance. It's just kind mm. of, and all of that just becomes white noise mm. to people, consumers, horrible word, to normal humans who have access to all the information they need to make the decision they need to make. They are time poor, but they're not stupid. Mm. So it's kind of, it's, it's a really interesting kind of... Which, which is why we've seen the rise of the, you know, the iSelects and the choosies and all yeah. that to come in and demystify, uh, supposedly, but yeah. all they're really doing is working on behalf of the banks and the insurance companies to actually just uh, uh, collate the offers and represent them in a way that uh, maybe is a bit more consumer or customer friendly. But having to create a platform for some to make your products more consumer friendly is pretty funny in itself. Mm. Um, they do they do create competition, but all of those platforms are based on a uh, commission business. It's kind mm. of, they sell your policy, they get paid by the insurer to be able to sell that policy on. Why can't the consumer have that? as a discount rather than paying it for those guys if the insurer's got their act together to sell the product right in the first place. Insurance is, a, is fascinating. I started life in insurance and travel insurance back in the kind of mid-90s. Um, it hasn't changed since, no. since in, in 20 years. It's kind of, how long it's been since then, 20, 30 years. I forget how old I am. Um, it, and that's the next market that is going to get torn to pieces. Uh, but we are such, it's really interesting now being back in that fintech world because when I first started, and fintech wasn't a word, it was just a business that you mm. created with no money and tried to bring it to market. Now it's a thing. What I've found is all of those fintechs, especially when you go around Sydney and you go to the fintech accelerators, they're really bad marketers. Mm. Really bad marketers. Great financial people, great product people, great startup people, but lack the financial, um, lack the marketing knowledge to get a product to market. So it's kind of interesting when, when uh, I've got a lot of VC friends and a, uh, a lot of people now I'm connected with who are looking for startup businesses that have marketing at the heart mm. of what they do. Because if you have marketing at the heart, you have your customer base at the heart of your business yep. idea. I mean, isn't that where marketing is meant it's to operate? It's fundamental 
fundamentally the yeah. definition of what marketing is. Yeah, is I could build anything. You know, technology allows me to build anything I like. Yeah. But shouldn't I be building something that the customer is going to find you know, useful, yep. interesting, attractive, whatever it is that's going to make them use it? And financial, the financial services is so fascinating because you see all the big brand campaigns and there's a couple of big brand, bank brand campaigns out in market and you see them running on Facebook. They take their TV ad and they put it onto Facebook as a take it for a minute and turn it down to 30 seconds. That's doing social for banks. And then you read the comments underneath of the customers and the haters and all of the crazy people that come out of the woodwork on social media. And you realise that there is a massive disconnect between the brand and the positioning and what they think they are, which is where the marketing and the advertising agency are sitting. It's kind of, yeah, we are, we can, and we have more than money and all these kind of things. And then you take it all the way back through to the, to the actual products and they're like, no, this doesn't work. It's the same with the telcos. It's the same with all of the big businesses. The, the difference between customer understanding and customer interaction and what the brand thinks it is is so um, disconnected. Well, and, and in fact, there's two brands, isn't there? There's the brand that's the retail customer facing one, and then there's the brand that is the investor shareholder facing one. Because the thing <laughs> yeah. that amazes me is the quarterly reporting, especially for banks, where splashed all over the media, television, online, um, uh, traditional press, is you know such and such announces record profits, clearly for the investors. And yet the retail customer is sitting there going, and that's why I have to pay so much for every transaction or why it costs this much for me to do whatever I want to do with my money. Yeah. You know, so they haven't even got it together that the two actually impact on each other. They have two very different messages going out yeah. and they think that the average person doesn't see them and it's doesn't... Yeah. Especially in Australia where people understand advertising in Australia. They understand... Um, they grew in and all those kind of things that are massively watched programs. They understand the psychology of advertising. They understand that marketing costs money. They understand that everything they're seeing is costing them money, especially for banking, which is it's not shouldn't be a product-based thing. It should be a service-based thing. It should be something that allows you to be able to utilize your money in the best way possible. But they're not built that way. They're built in their silos. And I think the only person you can blame for this is the CEOs of those financial organizations. Can you blame the marketing people? Yes, you can. Can you blame the agencies? Of course you can. But who's allowing it to happen? Who is allowing the companies, and it's not just banking, it's all of the big kind of industries, to continually do the same thing over and over again until it no longer works, so much so that people are getting fired? Because if that doesn't happen right now, it's kind of, if you look at a, the big organizations, they have their marketing budgets, they create a campaign, it goes to market, they make up their own KPIs, they hit those KPIs, they stay there for 18 months, two years, they move on to the next job <laughs> and move on in life. And that's, and that's same both advertising and marketing side. But there's nobody holding that per those people accountable. There's, there's well, and as you said earlier, the marketers and the agencies are actually so far away from the decision making of what you know, what this is. I remember back in 2006, every CEO of the big four banks had made a statement that year about how the bank was on the journey, journey to become customer-centric. All of them had said the same thing. Yep. Now we're 10 years later, 11 years later, they're all still saying the same thing, but yep. nothing fundamentally has changed, they has it? They don't know what it means. They don't yeah. understand what that means. Because 
their customer, as you quite rightly said a few times, is probably not the person who is using their everyday saver account. It's mm-hmm. the shareholder who is holding them by the balls most of the time. So who are they actually focusing their business in, business on? And I, I truly, I see it all the time. So we've seen digital agencies become customer experience agencies. We've seen all this kind of change towards adding the word customer mm-hmm. and no real change in the way that we actually do anything. Even back to the simplistic things of being able to take feedback from social media, from a campaign, and being able to action that in some way. Social media is not new. It's been around for 10 years. There's, there's many great people out there who understand this stuff. And they're not even doing the basics right of actually listening and doing anything yeah, the about cus- that. Yeah, customer fact. satisfaction, customer service yep. is beautifully delivered through social media. <laughs> if you do it well. It is. Um, we're, we're, we're not angry people. We don't, as, as normal humans, we don't want to shout at our bank. It's mm. kind of, it's the least, I don't want to shout at anybody. Oh, John, I, John I, I do, actually, I, I've <laughs> got a great example. I went to the Australia Post at Surrey Hills at lunchtime. There were over 40 people waiting and there was one person serving. And I just got onto Twitter and I said at Australia Post, why is there only one person serving during lunchtime? And I got a tweet back almost instantaneously from Australia Post saying, we're on to it. And within three or four minutes, the people who were having lunch out the back, you know, during a peak time, they all went <laughs> off rostered lunchtime, came and started serving people. Yeah. Now, I immediately retweeted, you know, thanks very much and, and yep. tweeted again that that was amazing. But you'd have to say, if Australia Post can manage, you know, which has not been known for huge amounts of yep. you know, innovation or customer-focused if they can deliver it, why do some of our biggest financial services companies struggle with this? It's really interesting building a financial services company now thinking about service because service is one of those things that is key to marketing, um, the, the real key and real thought of marketing and looking at chat and AI and machine learning and trying to take humans out of the mix but also keep that human element uh, and looking at ways that we can hand over the knowledge to the consumer to be able to do whatever they need to do, but have someone who can step in if, if, if needed. And we think we can get to a point where 80, 85% of all of those interactions can be handled by the person themselves. Because nothing is really that complicated. Unless something really badly goes wrong with what you're doing, then, yeah. um, then you always have to have a person who can kind of help that. But um, with thinking machines or pattern matching machines as they are right now, we can actually get to a point of, of five or ten people having the same problem, we can fix that. Yeah. Both from a service point of view, from a, it's either a customer problem and a, or an interface problem, or it's a back-end or system problem, we can make sure that gets... So, and, and this is all marketing, isn't it? It is. And yet of, marketing is often seen as the sort of service provider hanging off the end of the yeah, business absolutely. rather than being integrated into you know this whole transition from brand the idea of brand yeah. to actually building brand through the customer experience yeah. through actually designing and managing an experience that is specific to a brand well that's uh, rga where i spent the last kind of two years the, the one of the key things they talked about or they still talk about is brand is interface the fact that in the modern world every single interface mm. with somebody whether that's digital or not is your brand but going further beyond that every single touch point with the customer is the marketing plan you put in place. It is everything you do from the sign-up process to the interface you create to the customer service to the loyalty and rewards to the, um, the communications and then out to the advertising world is kind of it's over there. But most of the good work you can do right now is within 
the realms of what you do as a business and how you service customers, how you onboard them and how you service them. Um, advertising is quite good in some cases to get people in to be able to onboard them. It's quite good for reminding them you still exist. It's quite good for building brand awareness and, and credibility and all those kind of things. But it doesn't solve business problems. And I think a lot of people have confused this, especially with this consultancy versus creative agency war that's going on right now, which is not a war, but it's kind of they're making it into war. <laughs> well, you, you'd, uh, if you, you know, believe the trade uh, media, it is a war. Well, it's a yeah. war that's going to get lost by the person with the, because it's a power struggle, mm. and the power struggle is going to get won by the consultancies. And if it is a war, then agencies are done. But it's yeah. not a war. Because agencies are now transitioning. So it's, it's kind of funny watching it from an external point of view. Even when I was in the industry in itself, uh, I was still a bit of an outsider because I never really drunk the advertising Kool-Aid. I didn't really have the... Uh, everything I, re- I write about is, is, is poking the bear, if you like, just trying to find the holes and, and poke mm-hmm. the bear. And some of that's for, um, obviously, my own uh, gratification, but some of it is actually I do actually fully believe that the change needs to happen. Um, and seeing this play out in seeing creative agencies kind of saying, we're going to become a consultancy, and the consultants is going and buying agencies, is just, you're still not solving the problem, which is if I am a business, I need a service that's going to help me to exist in a world that I just don't understand. Well, except that I see that they're solving their problem, and their problem is that they're getting less and less share of the marketing budget or the company's budget. You know, marketing's getting less share of the budget. You know, we've had over a decade of downward pressure on marketing costs because the CEO and the CFO want to spend less on marketing because they don't see any return on that investment. Mm-hmm. Um, and so marketers have got less, but they still, they're under pressure to do more with less. And then all these agencies, all these specialist agencies, you know, you mentioned RGA was, oh, here's the digit, you know, was categorised pigeonholed as the digital specialist. Yep. And where did that leave their traditional creative agency and their media agency and you know every other agency? Yep. So they're all competing with each other and their solution with uh, the problem of getting less and less and being uh, less relevant is to expand their offering. You know, we do consultancy. Oh, and we're not just creative. We do technology and digital as well and we can solve everything. Yep. Um, and in the end, the market is sitting there completely confused because it's no one's actually talking to the real problem, which is how do you make marketing more relevant to the business? How do you make it more relevant and how do you actually do more with less or how do you change what you think your outcome is going to be? Mm. Um, uh, leaving FMCG marketers aside because I think they have a uh, an, ad, an advertising site because they just have a problem that is unsolvable, yeah. which is no, no, completely me too products and all those kind of things yeah. that have just overtaken the supermarkets. And, and, and also, well. they're limited in their ability to respond to the marketplace because you know manufacturing anything. But that's why I love the services industries and especially yeah. financial services financial tech, because they can respond very quickly to the needs of the marketplace. In fact, you can innovate the marketplace with technology because you can actually, you know, as as, uh, Steve Jobs said, you know, don't give people what they ask for, give them what they really want before they even know they want it, is the great opportunity that, you know, great marketing allows you to do when you control product and pricing and and design. For marketers though, is to be that, is to not be Steve Jobs, because no one one can be, but that idea that 
Um, uh, most marketing budgets are set year before. Most um, uh, most people are repeating what they did before. Uh, we did a home loans thing this time last year. Let's do another home loans loan this time next year. It's every gonna, springtime. <laughs> it's gonna, yeah, um, it, it, it's fascinating to see that without actually. But the, is it actually solvable? And this is the question you asked me is kind of when you came in is is uh, what's wrong with advertising? How do you fix it? Do you actually have to fix it though? Because if we keep putting band-aids over all this sort of stuff and we have moulding agencies and then we have media agencies who are now creative agencies and then consultancies who come in and are going to solve all the problems of the world. What it's not doing is making marketers think. It's not making companies think and it's not allowing the, the CEOs and the leaders to restructure their businesses because that's the actual fix is for big corporations and medium-sized corporations to restructure themselves mm. and not have marketing teams and not have product teams and not have these kind of siloed approaches to things which create more silos underneath, but to rethink how you are a business in today's world. And it's been really interesting seeing some of the really successful startups, both here in the US and in the UK, and how they're structuring themselves. They're structuring themselves around, I'm going to say this, it sounds as if it's not true, but so structuring themselves around the customer. Mm. What is the need state of the customer and how do we create a business which is going to service that? What technology can we put in place to allow them to do their, to have an easier life? And how do we take the, um, uh, the friction out of their lives? Things like Uber and Airbnb and all those kind of things are taking friction out of people's lives. Some of the biggest brands in the world, Taxi, biggest brand mm. in the world is now obsolete. Mm. Hotel, another huge brand obsolete. It's kind of all of these things are being taken apart by different organizations with different needs. And it's quite interesting watching Uber now become a big corporation and all the issues they have, mm. which are kind of self-induced, to be honest. Um, but that allows someone else to now come and see if they can take on Uber and all those kind of things. It's so, interesting because the examples, you know, hotel, taxi, uh, retail with um, you know, Alibaba yeah. or, or Amazon, Amazon yeah. Yeah. Um, all of those examples, every consultant, every you know, from IBM to Accenture put up, here's all of the uh, categories that have been disrupted. And of course, everyone jumped on the bandwagon of saying, oh, well, you know, we can either help you uh, protect you from disruption yeah. or we'll help you disrupt your category. Yeah. And, yet, and neither of those two things are true. Yeah, there is that's no, right. I, I, was I, can, say. I can guarantee you there is, I can't guarantee you, but for, so for my knowledge, and I read a lot of stuff, and I, um, I cannot see any incumbent who has disrupted the industry themselves, and I haven't seen any consultancy or agency be able to help anyone disrupt an in industry. And the it reason comes is, smart and, people. And, and a CEO explained to me, he said, I can't disrupt at the expense of all of the infrastructure and all of the investment that I have here. Protectionism. Yeah, I, yeah I, because disruption, the fear is you've got to kill the cow to actually start again. Yeah. And they don't want to kill the cow because starting again, it's better for me to hold on to and manage a shrinking share of the market than it is to give it all away yeah. and start again. Do I take 1% decline for 10 years or do I... Yeah. Take 50% um, tomorrow. There are so many brands that are very successful just managing decline. Yep. Yeah. And they get to the point where they don't even bother with any sort of advertising to support the brand anymore because it's irrelevant. Well, it Advertising's cost. great at actually building awareness yeah, and yep. building, you know, maybe building demand, but um, you know, to actually minimize loss. 
it's, it's, fa- it's become self-defeating. It's fascinating seeing um, consultancy businesses, agencies, and, st- and startup accelerators, and all these businesses that have become those things that are going to bolt onto your current business and transform you into something new. Every single one of them fails miserably around the world because you can't take, you can't create a your bank X and you have accelerator Y. They create three products and you try and instill that back into the the, the host organization and it either rejects it or destroys it. Mm. And you've seen that with a lot of the consultancies who bought creative agencies. They've actually brought them in and, and almost destroyed what they were in the first place because they had to fit in with this much more rigorous scheme of doing things. And 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 that's if there's one area that you know, would be interesting would be how do you bring creative thinking beyond just creative thinking to write a nice TV ad or to do an award-winning communications campaign. But there are some great creative thinkers in the industry. You know, people hiding out in agencies in a way and parading around Cannes on the Cote d'Azur, drinking their, you know, rosé and the like. But there's some great disruptive thinkers amongst them who are using their talents to write ads. How do you bring that thinking into organisations? Because it seems to me that's the type of thinking that could be useful in either a startup or a you know in, well, in a, at, trans- a company that does want to transform. Look at all. Look at where everybody is um, leaving advertising right now. Um, it's either because they're sick of what they're doing. Um, they don't want to be surrounded by a lot of people creating ads, and they are either going to startups or they're trying to get a job at Facebook or Google. Or they're, they're doing something else. They're kind of the the industry is hemorrhaging talent, the talent that could change it, on a daily basis. Mm. Now, what you're talking about there is is either trying to install that into big organisations, which is really hard. Mm. Kind of, well, the at, culture will kill it. You look at Com- ComBank is probably one of the most innovative companies we have in Australia. And even they're struggling to kind of really, truly innovate and really, truly disrupt themselves. They've got some great products, but um, when it comes to advertising, is if you could if you could find a way, and it's something I've been thinking about for the last six months, of putting together the craziness of those people. Because somewhere between consultancy, rigid, strategic thinking, and chaotic creativity of creative agencies is something that could solve some really dominant problems. Mm. We have to redefine what creative means because in advertising, creative means someone who makes an ad, and a lot of people will disagree with that. But it is actually ninety percent of creative agencies' output is an ad of some description that sits somewhere. And it's still, what takes the focus of award shows? It's about the ads, the cam- communications for. campaigns that yep. get you know that it get uh, um, awarded. And the really truly innovative stuff that comes out is normally made for campaigns as well, and is not truly going to be useful for anybody. Mm. Um, but what we're talking about there is dismantling a historical view of what advertising agencies are. And you're starting to see it happening now. There's a couple of things like um, Wolfgang and those kind of things happening where people are leaving agencies and setting up new agencies. But you've got two creative directors and a strategic guy from a creative agency aren't suddenly becoming the future of consultancy land and, no. and, and business changing problems. Awesome that, they, that they're going to try and do it. But Perspective is what makes these things happen. The ability to bring in new and different thinking and to bring in people who've never worked in advertising, who've put their own money on the line, who've run a business, who've had to solve a customer service problem. All of those sort of things are what help businesses. Yeah. And I don't, I, I've been thinking about it for a while because I think there is a hole appearing for something else to exist, which will be 
whatever happens after the, the great famine of advertising that will happen over the next kind of two years, which it needs, it's almost like a Noah's Ark event, we need that kind of big washout of everything that is no longer viable or feasible, something will sprout. Yeah, I, I, look, I, you know, personally I think advertising ha still has a foreseeable future because there is still enough of those large organisations there that can only there. operate on that basis. I think that the, the single biggest issue that it has from my perspective, and that's probably because I've spent 17 years looking at the financial <laughs> models yeah. of, of the agency world, is that, that they've just got it all wrong. I mean, it's all about cost of inputs and none of it is about the value of the outputs. Yeah, everything is sold on an hourly basis. And it's just a ridiculous, for a creative industry, it's a ridiculous way to work. I mm -hmm. mean, there's no other creative industries that actually remunerate that one. No, otherwise art... Uh, it's uh, about uh, value created. Uh, Picasso would be worth 350 bucks, not multiple yeah. millions. Uh, your point is kind of interesting, uh, uh, talking about the shrinking marketing budgets, which are shrinking advertising budgets, but we've got advertising people whose salaries are rising at a rate which is higher than most industries. It's kind of it, the, the, the 18 month tenure, two month, two year tenure of advertising people is actually to boost their salaries in most cases. You can, mm -hmm. you can get 10, 15, 20% more every two years flipping that out. And at some point that cost base of kind of, this is how much money we've got to spend versus how many people it takes to run an advertising agency because you've got ridiculous layers of client service and production and strategy and creative and all the other stuff that is built to run head hours so that mm. you can have five head hours on a job rather than just an output of some sort. Yeah. It's kind of interesting. So, But I see from a purely um, financial, pragmatic financial perspective, what I see in agencies is people flip until they get to a point where the industry no longer supports them. Yeah. And so you go and find something else to do or you just yeah, well, accept you just that, that, that you've hit, <laughs> you you've hit the financial glass ceiling and, and you, know, you just sort of drift off to one side. Yeah. You know, I think um, uh, advertising agencies, you know, people say, oh, it's ageist and all the experienced people. Yeah, pe experienced people do leave agencies because the business model won't support it anymore. Yep. And it's interesting for me seeing agencies started by those senior people in an agency that could be earning you know, six or seven figures, and then they start up their own small agency and they expect to earn that sort of money yeah. when they're running their own. And, and it could be for many of them Five, the first time. <laughs> yeah, yeah, but it could be the first time they've ever actually had to run a business and worry about things like the P&L and the cash flow. Yeah. To actually justify keeping them in the you know lifestyle that they've been accustomed to in a big agency. That whole idea of executive creative directors and executive strategy directors, which is taking people who have no business acumen and really have no commercial acumen in most cases, and adding them to a board who runs an agency, is fundamentally just what you're talking about there, which is they needed another level, so they mm. created another level. Oh, creative chairman. Oh, it, it's just <laughs> it's an industry that that. that sets itself up to be ridiculed and I think that the biggest problem with all of that is the talent. If you are an amazing young person who, are you going to say I want to spend 10 years in advertising to become a creative chairman and I might earn half a million, three quarters of a million, a million dollars, whatever it turns out to be, or are you going to go and be somewhere where it's truly creative and you can actually make a change and you can actually do things rather than being an art director bot three? 
yeah. um, <laughs> at the bottom of a run of a hundred people above you. It's 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 a it needs a change, but I think the change has to come from the the marketer side because you're right. There is enough money and enough businesses to keep that status quo going forever and a day yeah. because these people won't change and the agencies won't change because there's a, the networks will keep going and keep building agencies for the big clients. There's no there's no doubt about that. So so going back to you know, and we've been talking about financial services. You've said that you know so, some of this uh, blame for this, the marketing situation resides with the CEOs. Some of it resides with marketers because they've allowed themselves yep. to be drifted down into the promotions area. I mean, it's interesting, just as an aside on that, the best marketers that I deal with are the ones that do have P&L responsibility and do have product and pricing as part of it. Yep. So, you know, they actually still are what I call true marketing they functions. They have some sort of control. Yeah. And, and then the agencies, which have... You know, for years under the um, commission system, all they had to do was encourage their clients to spend more and more on advertising. But in a model where marketers are wanting to spend less and less or do more with less, the agency business model is basically self, uh, self-annihilating. <laughs> it's a, and and it's, it's, it's something that is... A lot of what I've been saying over the last three years is not because... Uh, I want to poke fun at the industry. It's kind of easy to do, but it's actually to try and make someone think. If you can make a couple of people think, and then we can make a couple more people think, and then you can make another couple, then hopefully a debate can happen. But that debate doesn't happen because there is the control in most marketing and agencies is is by the people who have too much to lose mm-hmm. to be able to actually have that debate. Uh, sorry, when you said make someone think, I re- was reminded of Dorothy Parker. She was asked to use the word horticulture in a um, in a sentence. Do you know the quote? I she said, I, you can lead a horticulture, but you can't make her think. And I think that's <laughs> probably appropriate here. <laughs> very good, yes. All right, still that one. That's very good. All right. Well, look, thanks for joining me. We've run right. out of time, but it's a you know, fascinating topic. I have got one last question, mm-hmm. uh, if you don't mind answering it, and that is... So what's your favourite ad that you've seen recently, John? (laughs)